right, and we are recording. Podcast voice activated. Hi, de ho, Silverliners. Welcome back to the Lunch Ladies News Wrap Podcast. I'm Liz Coyne, Managing Editor here at Silver Linings, and I'm with Executive Editor Diana Guberts to bring you the good, bad, and the ugly from the past week in cloud. Liz, I'm kind of hoping that there's not a lot of ugly, but I guess we'll see. We'll have to wait and see. Also, sometimes the ugly makes it a little bit more interesting, right? True, true. Yeah. Um, so first, we have to serve up our appetizer news of the week. This time, our trusty intern Harrison found us a great story uh, on the border. Mexican Grill has teamed up with marketing cloud platform Soshi, S-O-C-I, to expand its local marketing efforts and improve its online ordering system. So sign me up for a burrito, Diana, and also I'll have a margarita to go. Ooh, yes. I mean, by the time this comes out, it will be Friday. So Friday, five o'clock somewhere, y'all. And sign me up for quesadilla to go with it. (laughs) Yes, with extra chips and guac. Yes. Mm. All right. So let's get into the meat of this week's episode. Um, Enough talking about quesadillas and um, margaritas. I want to actually start by recapping a really cool event that I attended in Chicago this week. In fact, I'm recording this a podcast from the MXD facility here. It's on Goose Island in Chicago. If you know about Chicago, you know where Goose Island is. Um, So I am at MXD, which means Manufacturing X Digital, and it's where innovative manufacturers go to forge their futures. That's what the marketing materials say. MXD is a partnership with the Department of Defense, and it equips U.S. factories with the digital tools, cybersecurity, and workforce expertise that these manufacturers need to like begin building a more digitalized factory than they ever have in the past. They have about 300 partners and some of the partners have really cool demos here on this neat expo floor, which I got to see today. I got to see a demo by Google Cloud talking about how a smart factory can monitor what their employees are wearing, make sure they have their hard hats on, keep track of tools. So if you set your wrench down somewhere and you lose track of it, You'll be able to check on the app to see where your wrench went. I don't know about you, Diana, but I would really love that for my car keys. Um, <laughs> I think my husband could use it for his car keys, yes. <laughs> yeah, and, and also my dog, because she's always running away. Another neat uh, demo I saw, like monitor paint cans as they went around the factory floor so they could tell exactly where these paint cans were in the paint can process. <laughs> sort of looked like an episode of Laverne and Shirley where they're checking that all the bottle caps are on the beer bottles at the Shotsbury where they used to work. And that is a throwback to uh, 70s and 80s, folks. Uh, I'm a huge Laverne and Shirley fan. So if you can think of Laverne and Shirley beginning of the show, you'll know what it looks like with paint cans. We also got to see a demo of a factory floor, tiny little robots like working on putting labels on little boxes and shipping them. That was very cute, very informative as well. Um, you know, and, and there's also a demo space from AT&T here. Uh, Siemens has a mock-up of one of the Mars rovers, which is very cool. Uh, EY is here and they weren't actually, there weren't people from EY here, but they did have an area on the demo floor and there was really cool motorcycle that looked like it was doing something techy. I don't know what. I'd have to come back and find out more about that. Google Cloud has a spot. Intel has a spot currently in process. And then they've got all these other neat workspaces that companies can come and learn and watch demos on how to make their factory smart. You know, it's a really cool facility. I, I listened in on a panel with Google Cloud, Betacom, and Ingram Micro. They talked a lot about 
the challenges that manufacturers face today when trying to become smart factories or, you know, undergo digital transformation. Some of the stats that they talked about at the beginning, there are 240,000 manufacturers in the United States and 98% of them are small to medium. Unfortunately, 20,000 of the total number, we've lost 20,000 manufacturers in the last 10 years years here in the U.S. The number one challenge for small to medium manufacturers today and and manufacturers in general is cyber attacks. The other main challenge for uh, manufacturers is a skills gap. As you know, there's a big skills gap in the tech tech field, but it's also true in manufacturing. So by developing these really cool things like robots and AI that can check to make sure that somebody's wearing a hard hat, they're really trying to kind of close the skills gap by using AI tools. Because the gap is so huge, there's just no way that they can replace the number of people needed. Really neat organization at MXD. You know, I definitely think you should check them out online. I'll be writing a story about that later this week. I took a bunch of pictures here. So one of the goals of MXD is that they want to digitize and secure 10,000 manufacturers over the next couple of years. I think that is a great goal. But one of the questions I asked the panel today, and, and really interestingly, they all didn't really have a good answer. Um, But Diana, you know, you worked on Fierce Telecom and you know that digital divide is huge here in the U.S. And one of the questions I asked is, where are most of these small to medium sized manufacturers and do they have access to broadband to even become a sort of digitally transformed manufacturer? If not, how are they even going to make this journey? How are they even going to digitally transform if they don't even have access to broadband? Could you talk a little bit about that from your perspective? Yeah, of course. So, I mean, some of the things that I I think about is, you know, the upcoming bead program, for instance, um, that's going to be focused a lot on on an underserved areas, primarily unserved areas. Um, These are primarily in rural parts of the country. And while they will be focused on residential locations, they will also have a mix of, you know, businesses thrown in there. So it'll be interesting to see how many of those get covered as part of that program. Businesses have actually always been a focus of a lot of grant programs. So every time you know, somebody gets a couple hundred thousand here or a, a couple million there from government grant programs, for instance, Reconnect, which is through the USDA or some of the other US grant programs. There's always a, a little blurb and we tend to pay a little bit less attention to it than the residential passings. But yeah, there's a component of, you know, how many new businesses are going to be passed. So this is still an issue. And the other thing that came up as you were kind of mentioning what you saw, Liz, is the cybersecurity element is really crucial because if you have cameras inside your factory or you have robots that are operating inside your factory, maybe you don't want to digitize if there's a skills gap within your organization and you don't feel like you can secure it because who knows what they're going to do if they get access to your camera feed or can control your robots. So I think there's not just... um a technological aspect to this discussion, but also an educational one, right? So you don't just need to fill the skills gap. You also need to educate the businesses themselves on how the technologies work if you want them to not fear them, but understand them and want to adopt. And one of the goals of MXD here is to educate. They offer a ton of courses online for people to take and learn how to upskill themselves and move their factories into the future, which I think is pretty cool. Some of the other challenges that the panel discussed were 
that a lot of small businesses, they don't have the perspective to digitally transform. One of the biggest failures of digital transformation is that the change agents in the organization don't understand what the customer wants and they need to have an open mind and they need to align this perspective to their businesses. Most companies fail in their digital transformation because they focus on one use case, which limits their perspective. They really need to have an open mind and think about technology being the enabler to people, businesses, process, and sort of look at the full scope. Don't just look at one customer. You need to think about everybody. And that is also a challenge, right? It's very hard to think at a larger scale. People like to think within their own little box, but to really enable a successful digital transformation project, they need to have the full perspective. The other thing that folks talked about in, from the audience, actually, was that the IT and the OT teams don't like to bridge the gap. They are very separate. Sometimes they don't even like to be in the same room together, which I thought was really interesting. Another big challenge is cost ecosystem isn't ready yet. You know, a lot of the Prophet 5G wireless technology is still in its adoptive phase. You know, it, everybody knows how difficult it is to add chipsets to devices. All of that is going to take time. I'm going to need a fact checker, fact checker on this <laughs> stat, but it was something like 90% of the pieces of equipment in the in manufacturing in the US aren't even ready to be connected to or they're not it's not even possible to connect them to a private 5G wireless network. So anyway, it's been a really interesting tour here today. I'm definitely going to come back and get a full on deep dive tour of everything that's going on. I was just here for this panel talking about cybersecurity and uh, with Google Cloud and uh, Betacom and Ingram Micro, but I really want to get a full tour of the facility itself. It's pretty fascinating. I guess the president was here when it launched. Also, the head of cybersecurity for the U.S. was here just a little bit ago. So expect more reporting from me on this facility for sure. Diana, what do you have uh, for us this week? There are two things that I wanted to highlight. First um, is a story from Dan Jones this week that looked at Microsoft's uh, rumored efforts around building its own AI chip. And the cool part about that story was that analysts said Microsoft is aiming to build something similar to NVIDIA's top of the line H100 chips. And you know, if you've kind of been following along the story of uh, potential supply chain shortages and whatnot, and how those chip shortages might impact AI, the idea of Microsoft rolling out their own chip on this front could really have a big impact, given how reliant everybody currently is on NVIDIA for AI chips. So definitely check out Dan's story. Uh, it was a nice one. The second piece I wanted to highlight is one that I wrote on data center design and why more data centers aren't located underground, right? So we all know data centers are ugly. Let's just bury them. And that actually came from a chat that I had with someone at Schneider Electric who suggested that putting data centers underground would save green space. It would help the environment, right? You know, we, we all talk about how data center campuses are getting bigger and bigger and Amazon and Microsoft and Google are buying up these giant plots of land, but what if we put them underground? So I actually went and explored that idea, talking to a couple different companies, Light Edge, Bluebird, and it seems that the underground data centers that we do have today, surprise, we do have them, they're built in unused portions of stone mines. Um, and if you just dig a hole and build a data center and, and put the dirt back on top of it, you would lose the cost benefits that companies today get 
by using mines. And that kind of relates to how thick um, and how resilient the data center shells need to be. It's really interesting. It's too long to explain here, but please go read the story. I made some fun references in it, so I hope you'll go read it. The idea of cooling data centers naturally has been around for a while. I, I know there's a number of data centers in Iceland that are cooled by the air because it's so much cooler up, cooler yeah. in Iceland. You know, it totally makes sense that put an, a data center underground and naturally cool, just like a cave. The cave is what, at 48 degrees, 58 degrees? I can't remember the temperatures of... Yeah, I think the some of them, they said the, the caves kind of keep a year-round constant temperature of around between like 65 and 70 degrees. So it is cooler. The theory, right? The theory that you could plunk a data center underground, pipe the heat that it generates up to maybe like heat houses above or heat like a commercial center above. It sounds really cool, but it seems like executing it in the real world would be a little bit harder than the theory would suggest. Yeah, so absolutely. that was my takeaway. It was a really interesting story. It's definitely something to consider for the future, but I do think that the infrastructure associated and definitely be a big challenge. It'd be like building a giant heat pump for, for many houses. All right, let's wrap things up with some announcements here. You can now submit entries for our new Cloud Innovation Awards program, so you don't want to wait. You can nominate your favorite cloud solution. Uh, today, entries are due October 27th, so winners will be announced at our inaugural Cloud Executive Summit on December 7th. Speaking of the summit, we've got executives from a range of companies lined up to speak, including AWS Build-A-Bear, KPMG, Cloudera, Caffeine TV, Carrier Loop, and many more, so you don't want to miss that. Um, and again, the Cloud Innovation Awards, you can enter with our own special URL, which is tinyurl.com slash lunchladiespodcast, all one word. So I think that should be pretty easy for folks to get to, don't you think, Diana? Yeah, I think so, for sure. And you definitely want to submit for the awards, but don't just submit for the awards. Make sure that you register to come to the Cloud Executive Summit. Seriously, wine, winners. It's going to be a great time. We want to see you there. So please, please register, enter for the awards. You can enter in multiple categories and you can enter multiple products or people in each category. It's going to be awesome. We've got a, not not just products, but we've got the top uh, cloud change maker of the year award. So you can enter your executives, anybody that you think would be a great fit for the top cloud change maker. And once again, that's tinyurl.com slash lunchladiespodcast. All right, Diana, over to you for the credits. This podcast is written and hosted by Elizabeth Coyne and Diana Guberts. It is edited and produced by Matt Rickman. That's all for this week, folks. We'll catch you on the flip side. See you next week. Wow, 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 wow.